You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Jeremiah chapter 7 in your Bibles. We started last week on this chapter. We've been in this series for a while. But this is the message that Jeremiah is preaching at the gate of the temple. The people are coming to worship God and uh, they've got a problem. Although they're coming to church, they're backslidden. And although they're trying to look the part on the outside and they're trying to put up a front on the inside, they're away from God. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 7, we'll begin reading in verse number 15. And God says, I will cast you out of my sight as I have cast out all your brethren, even the whole seed of Ephraim. Therefore, pray not thou for this people, neither lift up cry nor prayer for them, neither make intercession to me, for I will not hear thee. Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us as we look at your word, and I pray that you'd help us not to miss these truths. I pray that our hearts would be open. I pray that our ears would be open. I pray we'd be receptive to this truth, and I pray you'd help, Lord, these dear folks tonight as you've helped me with this message in the days leading up to this Bible study. I pray you'd help us in Jesus' name, amen. I I just saw Mrs. Fields, and I just got a word also. Brother Fields is going in Friday. And I hope you'll be in prayer for him. For uh, We're praying for his heart. He'll be able to get all that uh, taken care of. And I hope you'll pray for him. We see in this passage that God says that he's going to cast his people out of his sight. You say, whoa, what's going on here? It says in verse 16, it says, don't even pray. Don't even cry. Neither make intercession. God says, for I will not hear thee. Now, I'm glad that God is a God of mercy. Aren't you glad for that? I'm glad God is a God of second chances, and indeed He is. But there reaches a point where God will finally say, I've given you chance after chance after chance after chance. For some of us, God's given us two and three and four chances for some more. But can I tell you this? That's just the mercy and the grace of God. But there comes a point, let's use a a couple of Bible examples, there comes a point, uh, like we've read in our Bible reading, the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. There comes a point where Abraham uh, pleads with God, would you spare the city for 50? God says, I'll spare it. How about 45? I'll spare it. What about 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? And God says, I will spare the city for 10 righteous, but there weren't 10 righteous. And God destroyed the city. And there came a time when God said, enough is enough. Judgment's coming. How about Noah's Ark? You remember that? 120 years, Noah preached righteousness and he preached the truth and he built that ark. But there came a point in time where the Bible says that God shut the door. And as much as those people may have wanted to get on that ark, once God shut the door, it was over. You see, if someone is here tonight or someone may be listening, if you do not know Christ as Savior, this is your opportunity to get saved. But I can't guarantee you you'll have tomorrow. Uh, When your heart stops beating, when you breathe your last breath, when Jesus comes back, and I tell you, uh, your opportunities are over. 
For those who've heard the gospel, they're not going to get another chance during the tribulation. They'll be sent a strong delusion, the Bible says. They'll believe a lie. There reaches a point where God's judgment comes and he has warned and he's pleaded, but eventually God will say enough. We see in this passage, verse number 15, God said that he would judge them. He would cast them out of his sight. What an awful thing to think that these were God's chosen people. They had been given the, the, the law. They had been given the word of God. They had been uh, uh, given the promise of the Messiah. They had been blessed by God. They had been brought out of Egypt and in the promised land and God had blessed them, but they turned their back from God and now they're experiencing the judgment of God. Notice verse 16, we read this. God says, I will not hear thee. Verse 17, seest thou not what they do in the cities of Judah and in the streets of Jerusalem? It says in verse number 18, the children gather wood and the fathers kindle the fire and the women need their dough to make cakes to the queen of heaven and to pour out drink offerings unto other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Uh, I think, I, do you hear a little bit of a ring? Anybody else hear that? Brother Tommy, if you just turn it maybe just a little bit, not too much. Thank you, brother. That's better right there. You did it, brother. Thank you. Uh, I'm telling you, these sound men, they are the best, are they not? Just, just one simple request, and it was just, it was done. Some of you ladies, don't you wish that your husbands could act like that? You know, just one simple request. But verse number uh, 18 and verse 19, do they provoke me to anger, saith the Lord? Do they provoke themselves to the confusion of their own faces? Verse 20, therefore, thus saith the Lord God, behold, mine anger and my fury shall be poured out upon this place, upon man, upon beast, and upon the trees of the field, and upon the fruit of the ground, and it shall burn and shall not be quenched. I'd like to draw your attention to verse number 17 and verse number 18. The Bible tells us that the children were gathering wood. Do you see that in verse number 18? The fathers were kindling the fire. The women were preparing the dough. They were making cakes. But who were they making these cakes for? The queen of heaven to a, a false god. And it says, and they're doing all this work to pour out drink offerings unto, what's the next word? Other gods that they may provoke me to anger. First of all, I'll say this. Wickedness in Judah had become commonplace. It says in verse 18, you could, in verse 17, you could see it in the streets. Uh, they were no longer ashamed of their wickedness. They were no longer ashamed of their backsliding. They're, they're coming to worship God in the temple, but they're living contrary to God in their homes and in their, 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 their neighborhoods. Verse number 18, their whole family was involved. The children, the mother, the father, the whole family was involved, and they all participated in the worship of false gods. Now, I will say this, I believe the whole family ought to be involved in worship. Would you agree with that? I'm glad church is not just for adults. Church is not just for senior citizens. Church is not just for 18 and older. Church is for the whole family. 
I love it that our children come to church and they hear the Bible and they sing the songs and they uh, learn the scripture. Can I tell you, church and worshiping God and serving God, it ought to be the whole family. God's people had taken it to the other extreme. The whole family here was involved in worshiping a false god. The whole family was involved in preparing offerings for other gods that they may provoke me to anger. Verse 18 tells us that they were proud to show their zeal for their idols. Now think about this. These are God's people, right? These are the people of Judah. They are in Jerusalem. They've got the temple. They've got the word of God. And they are no longer worshiping God. Now they're worshiping idols and they're not ashamed of it. They are very zealous, they're very dedicated, they're very committed to the false gods. We have a few pictures on the screen. If you got, if you have those pictures, we'll just show them in order. Here is a football game. This is not a movie. This is a football game. And this guy came to the football. It is scary, I'll probably tell you that. This guy came to the football game looking like that. You think he's zealous for his team? You think he's committed to his team? You think he's glad to be at the game? Let's do the next one. Got the mohawk going on there. How about the next one? Now, this guy came to the football game like that. Can I tell you what? Yeah, let's move on. I've got several things I'd like to say about it. Here's another one. He's in the, in the stands with all the fans, and he is having the time of his life in his costume. He's, he's excited about his football team. Let's do the next one. Now, I don't think that's the natural color of her skin. I think she did something there. But look at that. The whole family's involved, right? Look at that, the hair and the face and the paint and all that. How about the next one? It's got the cheese head. Green Bay Packers. And by the way, I don't know that particular game, but a lot of times those fans, they're in uh, uh, sub-zero weather and they're there for four or five hours. doesn't bother them a bit. They're glad to be there. How about the next one? Look at that getup. There's the Seattle... Seahawks. And that fan, he's, he's proud of his team, right? How about the next one? I don't know what in the world this guy's trying to do, but he's cheering for the Buffalo Bills. He likes the Buffalo Bills. All right, let's go to the next one. Look at that getup, the Oakland Raiders. And by the way, you think that's scary? That's nothing compared to some other pictures of some Oakland Raiders fans and what they'll wear for a game. Is that the last one or is there one more? And then there's lessons from Jeremiah. <laughs> now, I showed you those for a couple reasons. Number one is I think we all would agree those people, they're serious about their team, right? And by the way, I think we ought to be serious about serving the Lord. Do not come to church Sunday morning looking like that to say, well, pastor said, you know, that's not what I mean. How, how do we show how do we show our commitment for the Lord? Well, our attendance is one thing. Um, our service, 
uh, our giving, our desire to support missionaries, our desire to, to, to help in a bus ministry or a junior church or serve in a nursery or sing in the choir. There's a lot of ways we can show our dedication, and I believe we should show our dedication. But hang on, here's the flip side. What if, and you don't have to go back to those pictures, but what if one of those fans showed up looking like that? And what if, let's just say, for instance, we'll take the Oakland Raiders. They had all that getup. Um, my, uh, my mom is in here, and my mom was born and raised in Denver, Colorado. My mom has been a Denver Broncos fan for a long time, and we, uh, in turn, have been Broncos fans. It wasn't a good year for us, but that's okay. Maybe next year. We, we had our Super Bowl a couple years ago. We won't mention who they beat uh, because it was a team from North Carolina. But anyway, uh, my mom is a Denver Broncos fan. And if you're a Denver Broncos fan, your rival is the Oakland Raiders. I mean, those games, it, it is, it's war. Can you imagine if the folks that were dressed up in the Oakland gear, can you imagine if they showed up to a Denver Broncos game with their friends and they told everybody, yeah, we're Denver Broncos fans, and they showed up supporting the other team. They showed up with all the gear and they're cheering for the other team. We'd say, wait a second. That's not the way it's supposed to be. And I want to tell you, God's people, they were showing up for the wrong team. God's people were serious about worshiping their false idols and their false gods and their offering sacrifices. And they're not ashamed of, of gods who are, are, are dead and gods who are not real. And they're rejecting the one true God. I tell you, I was convicted of a couple things when I think that sometimes people have more commitment to sports than we do for the Lord. That's convicting. Because you know what's true about sports? It's temporal. I'm, I, don't, I don't have any against sports, but if sports has become your God, you got to get your priorities in check. Uh, or what you fill in the blank, whatever it is, there should be nothing that takes the place of God, but certainly nothing ought to have more commitment or more dedication for God's people than God himself and serving him and worshiping him. They were making God angry. They were provoking him to anger. Verse 19, that says in verse number 19, do they not provoke themselves to the confusion of their own faces? Their intent was to make God angry, but their deeds brought shame on themselves and on their children. You see, it's very confusing for your children it's very confusing for my children when we say we love God, but we're more excited about the things of the world than we are the things of God. That sends a mixed signal. It's a confusing message. Verse 20, God said his judgment would be poured out upon his people, uh, literally like the pouring out of a flood. I was uh, looking today, I, was, I saw some pictures. I was looking at uh, Mount St. Helens. When Mount St. Helens erupted in 1980, they showed the before and the after picture. You cannot even recognize that geography. Literally, a, 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 a hole was blown in the side of that mountain, and the lava that came and the mudslides that came, they said, you couldn't stop it. It was just poured out. Can you imagine what it's like when the judgment of God will be poured out upon this world? And I tell you, I don't want to be in that. I want to be right with God. And I want my family to be right with God. And I certainly don't want to experience the judgment of God like Sodom and Gomorrah, the fire and brimstone. Verse 21, God made it clear 
Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, put your burnt offerings unto your sacrifices and eat flesh. For I spake not unto your fathers, nor commanded them in that day that I brought them out of the land of Egypt concerning burnt offerings or sacrifices. But this thing I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your God. Yes, God is concerned with sacrifices and God's concerned with offerings. But you know what's more important to God? That we obey him. That we obey his voice. First uh, Samuel, I believe it is, where Saul had come back and he had brought all the sacrifices and all the cattle. And he said, look at what I've done. And Samuel said, hold on, buddy. He said, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. He said, because rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. And Saul had disobeyed God and tried to uh, appease God with sacrifices. God wants us to obey. You imagine for your children, if your children would not obey. But they said, but look at what I, look at what I made for you. Look at what I bought for you. I mean, you're thankful for the heart they put into making something or purchasing something or, or bringing something as a gift. But you know what you want from your children? You want them to obey. You want them to listen. And God wants his children to obey. Verse 23, he was interested in their obedience that they did as he commanded. Verse number 23, that it may be well unto you. Verse 24, but they hearkened not. They would not listen. They did their own thing. It says in verse 24, they uh, went backward and not forward. How sad. God's people ought to be growing and we should be progressing, but instead they went backwards. They backslid from God. Verse number 25, God sent prophets. God sent warnings. God gave them chances, but they would not listen. Verse 26, they hardened their neck. And notice what it says in verse 26, they did worse than their fathers. You know what we ought to be doing? We ought to be learning from the example of those who've gone before us, right? You see, if someone is a first-generation Christian, they don't have the example of a, a godly father or godly mother to follow. But for many in this room, we've got godly parents and Godly grandparents, Miss Cindy, I went by to see your mom and dad today, and uh, my heart was so blessed just to get to hear your dad just talking about the day he got saved, and to hear your mom talking about the day that her dad got saved. It just, it's a miracle, and, and what, a, what a godly heritage that is. But can I tell you, it's so sad if we, we know and we've seen and we've been taught, but we don't learn from it. And God's people had been given so much, but they would not listen. They would not hearken. It says in verse number 28, it says, Thou shalt say unto them, This is a nation that obeyeth not the voice of the Lord their God, nor receiveth correction. Truth is perished and is cut off from their mouth. Literally, I, I picture in my mind, I picture a, a grave marker. And I picture that grave marker saying, this is the land of Judah. This was the, the, the land that God had blessed. But now here is a grave marker of a nation that would not obey the voice of God. They would not receive correction. The Bible says truth is perished. 
I'll tell you, in our country today, we're getting pretty close. It's hard to find anybody that you can listen to or anybody that you can believe. And in many cases, you turn on a television, in many cases, even those who claim to be preachers don't know what they're talking about. Because they're not preaching the Bible, they're preaching opinion, they're preaching what's popular. But can I say, truth should not be perished. Truth should not be gone from the life of a Christian because we have the truth of the Word of God. And if we don't have truth in our life, it's because we've not read the book. We've not listened to what God has told us through His Word and His Holy Spirit. Verse 29, it's a time to mourn, it's a time to weep, it's a time of lamentation for the Lord hath rejected and forsaken the generation of his wrath. Verse 30, the children of Judah have done evil in my sight, saith the Lord. They have set their abominations in the house which is called by my name to pollute it. They had literally polluted the church. They had literally polluted the house of God. Uh, how sad, how tragic that is. Verse 31, they built the high places of Tophet which is in the valley of the son of Hinnom, to uh, burn their sons and their daughters in the fire, which I commanded them not, neither came it into my heart. God said, I never even, I never even would have considered. And I know God is all-knowing. God said, I never would have even thought it possible that my people would offer their children as human sacrifices to these false gods. Tell you, there's no limit to how far you'll go if you get away from God. And we sometimes will say, I can't believe that happened. I can't believe so-and-so did that. Can I tell you, I can believe it because it could happen to you. It could happen to me. It could happen to anyone who rejects God and anybody who gets away from God. There's no limit to how far you can go. It says in verse number 30, Two, therefore, behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that it shall no more be called Tophet, nor the valley of the son of Hinnom, but the valley of slaughter, for they shall bury in Tophet till there be no place. The carcasses of this people shall be meat for the fowls of the heaven and for the beasts of the earth, and none shall fray them away. God said, in this place where you've offered the sacrifices, in this place where you've offered your children, one day, this is going to be a, a place of slaughter. This is going to be a place where I will pour out my judgment upon you because of your sins. It's interesting that God mentions the specific place. God says, in that spot where you worshiped false gods, you will be slaughtered. You will be buried until there's no room left to bury a body. Do you think God's serious about this? I think He is. And can I tell you, history records that God was serious because the people of Judah would be destroyed by the Babylonians. This was Jeremiah prophesying before it ever happened. But it came to pass exactly like God said it would. I was speaking this last week with Brother Fry, and I, I, what a wonderful day we had Sunday. It was so good. God used Brother Fry. We were talking about, in North Carolina especially, Brother Fry, if you've heard his testimony, you know the story, how he used to go and he used to sing in these clubs and he used to sing in these bars and these places. And he's not proud of that, but God gloriously saved him. And you heard the testimony. 
But he said, you know, brother, he said, I'll go to some of these spots, some of these places. He said, it'll bring back these memories. And I said, uh, I'm glad, Brother Fry, you get to go back, not to the same places, but the same towns. And now you get to share the good news of the gospel and you get to share your testimony. And we rejoiced in that. He was talking about a place just north of Winston-Salem. He said, I'll tell you, there was this one place, he said, uh, I used to go, and he said it was the craziest thing. He said uh, there was a, uh, a man who uh, had his own band, and he was world-renowned, he said, and they couldn't find him. I mean, literally, he was booked in all these venues and all these places big time, and he was successful in the world's eyes, and he had his bus, he had all this, and, and he was missing. He was gone. And I'm, I'm, I'm expecting the worst. You know, I'm expecting like, you know, they found his body out back or something like that. Brother Fry said it was the craziest thing. They found him at this little club. He said he was a bartender. And he begged the people in that place. He said, please don't tell anybody where I am. He said, I can't handle it anymore. I can't handle the stress. I can't handle And everybody would have thought, that he was doing great. But you know, he was miserable. And Brother Fry was talking about that spot. You know, when he, when he was talking about that place and those memories and all those things, I thought, you know, I'm glad. I'm glad that we can make some memories in places where we get to serve God. I'm glad that in this town, I'm glad I've got a lot of memories of knocking on doors. I'm glad I got a lot of memories of visiting people. I'm glad I've got a lot of memories in this area of sharing the gospel with people. I'm glad that my family and I get to serve God together. I'm glad that I don't have to, uh, I don't have to worry about, well, what about all these uh, regrets? And what about all these things that I'm, uh, I'm ashamed of? And what about this? I'm glad that I can serve God in this place, in this area, in this region. And I'll tell you this, you don't want to have a place like God's people had in Jeremiah 7, a place where they had sacrificed their children, a place where they had worshipped false gods, a place where they had backslid, a place where they had gotten away from God. You and I, we need some Bethels. We've been reading about that in the Bible reading. We need some places where we can fall on our knees and worship God, where we can serve God, where we can have our vision and our, 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 our commitment to God renewed and strengthened. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.